0: Plum and i am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket we are at the diamond episode is that what they call the 25th coach is i think so it's the 20th anniversary Yeah. yeah that's that's the diamond okay yeah all right so we are at the diamond episode the 25th episode here of a pen and a napkin interview uh podcast and we will have andy foster from Bishop Helan in Sioux City, Iowa, one of the storied programs in the state of Iowa. Uh, But before we talk to Coach Foster... Uh, We, of course, want to recognize our sponsor for the episode, Cossack Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive here in Omaha, which is just off of 144th and Maple. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balance neck or spinal issues, have them go see Cossack Chiropractic. Uh, You can check out their practice at CossackChiro.com, that's K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com, or give them a call at 402-964-0300. Be sure that you let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow us on Twitter, a pen and a napkin. Just search a pen and a napkin, and there we are. We try to have daily coaching tidbits on a pen and a napkin, so follow us there. Uh, If you're listening, you're on SoundCloud, you're on iTunes, uh, so download it, rate it, review it, subscribe, give us five stars, uh, help us get the word out. The biggest thing we want to do is help coaches get better with our podcast here. And last but certainly not least, email us if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, ideas, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Don't hesitate to reach out, and we will get back to you. Andy Foster, the the Healan boys basketball coach. Coach, how are you this fine Sunday late morning? I'm
1: good, I'm good. We had... uh... Church and Sunday schools all finished up, so now was kind of time for you would think rest and relaxation. But my daughter's got a softball I'm sorry, a volleyball game at uh, around five o'clock, and then uh, believe it or not, I still like to pretend that I can still play. I still play in a men's league up here, and we tip off at six thirty. So I,
2: I'm
1: no longer I'm no longer uh, an influential part of the team. I'm more of a substitution and inspirational part of the team.
0: Yeah, designated screener.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. I, uh, we have a men's league with our church and I've had a couple of guys, you know, ask me, you know, Do you want to play? And I'm like, you know, Hey, I'm not that good to begin with B I've got both ACLs and I've got both Achilles. I'm good, uh, you know. So, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stay with what I've got here and, and stay whole. So, uh, I agree. yeah. Well, Coach, thanks so much for coming on the podcast here. Uh, looking forward to talk to you here. We got a lot of stuff to chat about. Um, you know, kind of what we do here at the beginning of every podcast is we just give uh, our guest an opportunity to 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 tell us your story. Uh, sure. How did you end up at, at Bishop Heelan High School and yeah, just, just just let us know about the one and only Andy Foster. <laughs>
1: um, so uh, my name is Andy Foster. I'm currently the boys basketball coach at Bishop Heelan Catholic High School, also the boys golf coach, assistant athletic director. And I do a little bit of PE teaching uh, throughout the course of the school day. But I found Heelan so uh, interesting story, kind of chaotic, but, but still fun and it's all right. I grew up in a little town in Minnesota called Caledonia. It's a uh, very, very southeast corner near Wisconsin and Iowa both. Right in the Mississippi Valley, was yeah. blessed to play on a really good high school basketball team. Um, I had one of my teammates went on to play at Northern Iowa. His name was Aaron Mittendorf. Mm-hmm. Those of us in the Midwest may remember some of those guys. Eldon Miller was the head coach back then, as oh, well yeah. as actually as well as actually uh, Coach McDermott. He got to coach uh, Aaron Mittendorf as well. Um, nonetheless, then I had a little point guard went on to play some NAI Division Three. Josh Deerson was his name. So we were really fortunate, really blessed. We make our way to the state tournament sophomore, junior, and senior year, Uh, fell short sophomore and junior year in Sweet 16. Back then, they didn't even have
0: classes in Minnesota. It was just one tournament, winner-take-all, four A's mixed with one A's. Oh, wow. Um, Did you have an assistant coach named Shooter? What's that? Do you have an assistant coach named Shooter?
1: (laughs) We should have. Because, (laughs) Because we fell short our sophomore and junior year. Uh, we played uh, a couple of teams that were a little bit bigger than us and fell short. But uh, then our senior year, they did, they uh, kind of mixed it up and they classified it much like Iowa, where there's quad is your biggest, uh, triple A's your the second biggest, and then double A and single A uh, going downward. Uh, we were a double A school and uh, were able to find a way to get a win. And we actually went undefeated our mm-hmm. senior year. I got recruited. um For football, but mostly for basketball. Um, I found my way to Northern State University up in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and uh, played for Bob Olson at the time. I redshirted for him and then played for him. And then uh, most of us hoop coaches out there know uh, legendary Don Meyer. He slid into that position. Coach Olson resigned to become the athletic director. Mm -hmm. And we were extremely fortunate to find uh, Don Meyer, uh, when Lipscomb was kind of transitioning from NAIA themselves straight to NCAA Division One,
2: yeah,
1: coach Coach Meyer just didn't think that the, the campus was prepared um, structurally or financially for a transition like that. Didn't agree with it, kind of parted ways, and then he was available. And Coach Olson, the former head coach, and Coach Meyer became friends because when when Northern State became division two from NAI. He adopted coach Myers, um, motion offense. Okay. So they knew one another coach Meyer became the head coach. And I played for coach Meyer, my sophomore, junior and senior year at Northern state, um, finished up that. And I thought, man, I want to be, um, a high school coach. Um, so at first, I'll take it. At first I wanted to be a college coach. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, I thought that was going to be my, my path. I walked into Coach Meyer's office. He always had a, a rule where if you were on campus every morning, regardless if you had classes or not, you needed to stop in his office before 9 a.m. and sign in. Just stop in the office, say hi. He may have a tidbit for you, something for you to think about throughout the course of the day before practice, and then sign in. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I stopped in one one day after the season, my senior year, and, and uh, Coach said, hey, you want to you want to be a coach yourself, right? I said, well, yeah, yeah. I I think that's what I want to do. A teacher and a coach. And he said, there's a little school, um, 25 miles straight west of here called Ipswich, South Dakota, Mm -hmm. Ipswich high school. They need a high school and they need an assistant coach. And I said, ah, I could be interested. I wanted to finish up some more schooling. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I walked in to, uh, an interview there and the, the head coach was in the interview and, coach i can't make it up i was in there for about five minutes and they offered me the head job
2: oh jeez! Uh,
1: <laughs> true story i had, i i really was taken back didn't know what to do anyways um uh we won one game that year i took over a team that hadn't won a game in three years i believe
2: <laughs> we,
1: so I, I can sit here right now and tell you i understand and know wholeheartedly what it feels like to be one and 18 yeah um So, I became a head high school basketball coach for one year, and I thought, man, I really need to be a college coach. That's what I really wanted to do. Yeah. So, I called around all of the coaches that I played against while I was at Northern, and um, eventually found a graduate assistant spot at Augustana College in Sioux Falls, Mm -hmm. playing for uh, coaching with Tom Billiter, who's currently still up there and actually just won a national title not too long
0: ago. Yeah, it was just like a year or two ago they won it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Very talented. So, um, this was oh my goodness gracious 16 years ago 15 years ago mm-hmm. um become an assistant there and i find bishop Heelan because i was recruiting a young man to augustana college named matt cleveland
0: oh yes i coached matt cleveland on the jv team at bishop Heelan. yes
1: yeah, yeah. yes i did so that's that was my connection to to uh to bishop Heelan. Okay. i called tom betts who was a who's a you know, retired, but a legend in, in his own mind for Bishop Heelan. I called Coach Betts, start to build a relationship with him, start to recruit Matt Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland went on to have a great career at uh, BV, and I think he's currently an assistant coach at Carroll High School. Okay. Um, anyways, one day I was sitting in the men's basketball office at Augie after the recruitment with Cleveland, and he had trans or he had he had transitioned over to BV. Tom Betts calls me, and he says, "Hey, uh, what is your?" You know what's your educational background what did you graduate with what you know um I tell him health physical education um master's degree in education coaching minor he says that's exactly what we need here why don't you put your information in I did that and interviewed and Marty that, that was 15 years ago okay. then then I became coach Bess's assistant coach for 10 of those years nine of yep. those years and I've been the head coach now for five
0: gotcha gotcha okay um, yeah, that is a small world after all. Um you, you were recruiting Matt Cleveland and I was Matt Cleveland's JV coach. That that is a that is a crazy, crazy story. So yeah. um so you you were you were Tom's assistant uh for nine nine or ten years. Um and and then you you're you were always kind of the coach in waiting, essentially. Um yeah. you know. Um what what was that transition like for you, uh, for for coaches who are uh, looking to become you know go from assistant coach to a head coach, uh, or maybe you're the current assistant coach and maybe in the next year or two you're looking to transition into the head coaching position because of retirement or whatever the situation may be. Uh, what was that uh, What was that process like for you? Uh, what are some things that you, you thought you did well? Uh, in that transition, what are some things that, gosh, if I had it to do over again, um, you know, I, I do this differently, so forth and so on.
1: Well, the first few years when I was working under Tom, I never really thought about being the head coach. I was enjoying being the assistant so much. It was such a riot. Of course it helped that we were really blessed. We had some outstanding teams and guys. Yeah. And the energy and atmosphere was at a high level. I mean, and it still is. But it was something that I can't explain. I was just really, really enjoying the moment and mm-hmm. having a, a riot with it, with the guys. And I think um, me being a, a young... I, back then, I was a younger guy. Yeah. And I could still play a little bit. So in the summer times, I would get in the drills with them a little bit. And things like that. I'd play two-on-two two and three-on-three three with those guys in between drills and practice goofing around. and um, I could still bring... A youthful energy besides a wisdom energy, I suppose, nowadays. Yeah. But um, uh, I never really thought about being the head coach. I just really enjoyed that. And then Coach Betts and I had, had visited a little bit about, he was concerned about coaching his son, Jared.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, Jared started to become in the high school level. He was now a freshman. And Coach Betts just wasn't sure about coaching Jared. Mm-hmm. If you would be able to do that at a level playing field with all the other guys on the team, he thought he'd be harder on Jared and it wouldn't be necessarily fair for Jared or him and, and, and the rest of the fellas. Um, and at the time, he and I had coached together about seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. And I just said, Tommy, tr- uh, I, if you start to be a little you know, harder on Jared than the other fellas or anything like that, if, if things start to go a little bit sideways one way or, or another between you and Jared and your coaching at Jared, I'll I'll tell you, I mean, he and I had built such a great friendship. And um, so I said, I really, how many guys get to coach their son? Yeah. There's no, what a great opportunity at the varsity level. I said, don't lose that opportunity. Try to embrace that and we'll get through it and you're going to have a riot with it. And so he stayed on and then we kind of forgot about the conversation. We really didn't think about um, uh, him transitioning from head coaching at Bishop Heelan Catholic High School to, his current role at our administration office. Um, it came up occasionally, but it wasn't really anything that we felt was sincere. You know, there was just kind of ideas. And then um, our administration had an idea. Tom is, a, he, he's such an integral part of what we do at heal as far as fundraising as a private institution. We can't, we don't operate without donation funds. Yeah. And, and Tom is so good at that. And he's so good, not at that. I shouldn't even say it like that. He's just good at relationships and healing history and, and healing people. um, And knowing them and where they came from and what's important to them and, and how they can help and educating them and what we need at healing and how they can be a part of it. So they asked Tom to take a bigger role Mm -hmm. in that, in that uh, atmosphere or that office. So then the conversations became more serious. Yeah, Um, We may need to think about you sliding over to be the head coach or, us finding a new one. And those last couple of years, I really started to realize that Tom was pushing more on me. He was asking me to do more skill development stuff. He was asking me to do more scouting reports. Mm -hmm. He was asking me to do uh, essentially more practice planning, just letting more things kind of fall on my shoulders without them falling on my shoulders. So I could kind of understand you know, these are the things you may have to do Mm -hmm. um, if you're not quite sure. And I really, I I enjoyed it. I loved it. And then um, the moment came and it was tough. I mean, to, to visit with the fellows you've been coaching me, Tom had been there for 14 years, I think 15 years as the head coach.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, Obviously played at healing a huge, I mean, oftentimes to this day, when people think of Bishop healing Catholic high school, there's a handful of faces they think of. And Tom's one of them. Sure. Um, so the conversation became real and he decided that he needed to resign and, and take on a bigger role in the admin office as, as far as fundraising and um, representing Elan in a bigger picture.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I, I accepted the, the challenge. I said, I want it. I, really, I want this opportunity. So I took it on and coached the biggest difference. You know, like I said, for 10 years I was Tommy's assistant and I thought that I poured every ounce of – effort energy and care into the program i thought i mean every day i was bringing the energy and i was pouring it all out there and i was at every open gym and i was at every summer camp and every every opportunity i could be around the fellas Uh i was i you know i was doing it and i thought i poured every ounce of care that i had into the program into the program and then all of a sudden you become the head coach yeah and everything changes Mm -hmm. You don't think it's going to, but now you are solely responsible for every decision that you make. Mm -hmm. It all falls on you. You just slide over 24, 48 inches on that bench close to the scorer's table, and now your responsibilities are through the roof, and you're constantly... You know, I, I, I would rarely lose sleep over the guys when I was assistant. <laughs> you know, I would just be like, well, fine. we're going to be just fine. Uh-huh. Coach Betts and I, we're going to figure it out. Or coach At the time, we had Bob Geary, another legend. Yep. You know, I am like, we're going to be just fine. Yep. But now, mm-hmm. I love my staff. They're committed. We even got Jared Betts on staff. We yep. still have a Betts on staff. Yeah. Now, as the head coach, I mean, I, I am constantly, I'm at church drawing up plays on the bulletin. I'm, <laughs> in, I'm at teacher in-services thinking about matchups, lineups, this defense, that defense. How can we score against it? How can we run it ourselves? And, you know, your, your mind is is never not thinking about the guys. Uh-huh. Um, that's probably the biggest difference is how, you know, as an assistant, I, I played in the post. So I could kind of steer my skill development towards the posts and I could hand over the, the guards to, to another assistant for the guards orientation. But you know, now I'm responsible for it all. Mm-hmm. I have to have my, my hands and toes and everything. Yep. Um, and then there's, that, and that's just the basketball side of things. Yep. So now, now there's the logistics, travel, how big is a traveling party? What kind of fleet are you going to take? Are you going to take a bus? Are you going to use the Suburbans? Are you going to eat before the game? Are you going to eat after the game? Are we going to be ordering new uniforms or is there going to be new practice jerseys? Or let's say this, let's say our gymnasium's books for a show choir or something along those lines. Now I have to find a new gym for us to practice in, Or um, does the city Journal have information to print for tomorrow morning's article? If we had played, do they have the copy of the book or do they have the roster? And now there's just so much more that I, I never really even worried about or thought about even really. But now it's so much. I mean, you're talking to the Omaha world, the Sioux City Journal. You're talking to the radio. You're doing podcasts just just like we're doing right now. There's so much more that you kind of maybe don't even think about or take for granted.
0: Yeah. So what have you done to try and streamline all of those new responsibilities?
1: Just the biggest thing is surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with a supporting cast as far as assistant coaches. Surround yourself with an administration in the front office, with your principal, excuse me, your excuse me, your dean of student, your athletic director. Just surround yourself with good people. And then prioritize and put together a plan of attack. You know, growth throughout the course of the season is, is the main thing. And uh, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I played for Coach Don Meyer. And One of the things he always talked about, I knew that I wanted to get into coaching when I played for him and he would always have these coaching clinics and I would always take notes and I still have all my notes and my notebooks and things like that. But one thing he repeated over and over and over as a coach to never forget to keep the main thing, the main thing. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of at the top of my list all the time. I always, I, I say it to myself often and there are moments throughout the course of the year through the course of the season where I'll slip and I'll forget to keep the main thing, the main thing all of a sudden now I'm worrying more about winning than growth and and the the guys in the locker room and you know, that kind of stuff. Um, But that's, I mean, you just surround yourself with good people. You trust your training. You continue to educate yourself. You go to clinics, try to get new ideas. You talk with coaches, you don't hide anything. You just kind of visit with people and, you dive into the fraternity of coaching and you just kind of absorb as much as you can. You can't take all the ideas, but you can take the ones you think work best for you and yours and then talk to your staff, Mm -hmm. see what you think you can do and then just try to do it and just make sure you're keeping the main thing, the main thing. And that is what's the locker room like? Are these guys enjoying themselves? Are they competing at a high level and are they learning? Mm-hmm. You know, and at our institution, we have to make sure that we're faith-based. We have to make sure that we're incorporating Jesus Christ, and we have to make sure that we're incorporating, you know, the the faith of our Catholic institution
0: behind all of the things we're doing on the floor and in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Um. So you you've wrapped up your season recently, uh, within the last <sighs> week to ten days. I I, I can't remember <sighs> the exact date, but it's it's been recently. So you've you've you're in the process of, of decompressing, um, you know, um, other, other than going out and playing men's league. Um, what, what are some things, uh, you know, let's just talk about the decompression process. You know, how do you kind of get away from it a little bit after the season's over?
1: Well, I've, I've got two little kids. I've got a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. And I'm finding myself spending as much time with them as I can. Because, you know, during the season, you're at your, your, at your practices, whether they're late or early, you're at your games, uh, whether they're home or on the road. And then also for me, I'm an assistant athletic director, activities director, so I'm, I'm helping out our institution and our head AD as far as um, announcing the girls' games, um, making sure the gym is set up and tore down after games and before games, that kind of stuff. So those are other evenings that I'm not at home. So I try to find time to really just commit to them, whether it's going to a park, whether it's you – know, the other I mean, you still scratch that itch. The other day, my daughter came to a basketball game with me just because she wanted to – she loves the game of basketball, uh-huh. and it was an opportunity for she and I to kind of be together. Uh-huh. But you're 100% right. Um, once the season's done, it's good to kind of take a deep breath in the nose, out the mouth, and just decompress. And right now, I typically take – I changed it up, you know, from time to time. And it's sad. How about the fact that you're not even done with your season and you're already thinking about next year? You know what I'm saying? You're not even done. And I think about it all the time. You know, I'll be watching film on our upcoming opponent for this current season. And then I'll see, you know, they have... A bunch of seniors on the floor or the other way around. They've got a bunch of young kids on the floor. Let's take their young kids, compare them to our young kids. Are we going to be in a spot to be competitive with them next year and get a win here at this gym? And those t- I mean, you, you haven't even finished your season, but you're already comparing, you know, next year. What, what's our starting lineup next going to be in, in 2021 and yeah. those kinds of things? Um, but just try to take a deep breath and those out the mouth this year in particular. I'm just kind of. Spending time with my family, spending time with my kids, and I am still scratching that edge. Um For example, uh, we went to a game Friday night just to watch.
2: Mm-hmm. Just
1: no pen, no notebook, just to watch. Um, uh, Northern State played last yesterday afternoon up at the Pentagon against Augustana College. And then one of our former players, um, Elijah Hayes Camp, he's redshirting for the University of North Dakota. They played at USD. Try to go to those times of games for and sure. just you know, be around it. Yep. Um, Tomorrow night, our district plays its sub-state final, which is the winner goes on to the state tournament. Our district of eight teams is down to its final two, and that game is being played tomorrow night at North High, so I'll go to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the most part, I'm just kind of taking two weeks, I'm thinking, maybe longer, but ideally around two weeks, and just kind of still be around the game, Uh but... Not in a coaching atmosphere, just kind of as a fan atmosphere. Yep. And then um, I'm going to really start looking into, okay, what do we have returning? Um, do we have a postman returning? What Can we go four round one? Is it going to be more of a five out team? Is it going to be more of a three out two in team defensively? Are, are we a team that is going to be uh, guard orientated or maybe we could pick up full court. Maybe we can pick up three quarter court with some sort of press just to try to get possessions off of their mistakes, um, little things like that. I, I And then skill development, where can we send kids? I mean, obviously, we want to teach them as much as we can, but there's opportunities for them to go to Minneapolis for a point guard college or go to Creighton for a camp or go to you know Nebraska, Omaha, anything like that. Uh, one of our local colleges, Briarcliff, Morningside, just get them into skills development. Um, then start looking, what can we do as a team? Mm-hmm. What what team camps can we go to? Start calling some other high school coaches in the area. Hey, let's get together on a Wednesday at your facility, cost free. You know, we're not spending two, three, four hundred dollars for a team camp. We just get together with a couple of schools in the area, bring in some officials, um, and, and scrimmage that way. Um, just really start focusing on. Skill development for the guys, skill development for the team, and opportunities for the guys and opportunity for the team. And I just, all you can do is put it out there in front of them and ask them to be there. Now, Keelan mm-hmm. is, is a school, we're graduating about 125 to 135 kids a class. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those guys, in order for us to be successful, they have to be multi-sport athletes, which we highly, highly, highly encourage. Mm-hmm. And baseball in Iowa is in the summer and it will go through uh, to the end of July. Yep. And then obviously football starts up lickety split and football at healing is very important. And, um, our guys are doing skill development for football. They're either playing Some of them are playing baseball and skill development for football and then trying to find time to get in a gym. So getting together with our football coach, getting together with our baseball coach, recognizing what state, what dates, what nights work the best for our kids. And then, um, just giving them those opportunities and, and helping them push them to get there
0: and making them choose uh, what's most important on each and every given night. Mm-hmm. When you when you, uh, when you go back and you look at your film from, and you said you'll probably wait two or three weeks and then really sure. start start wrapping yourself around it. When you go back and you, and you look at that, look at those films from last year you know what are you looking for there what are you what are you trying to examine to uh to to help you to help the the kids um Mm -hmm. you know to you know this is what i'm looking for to get us ready for this summer which will then get us ready for for the season because i always i always thought of it like like being a high school basketball coach was like four three month segments because you would have and i always kind of thought the calendar year began you know april first ish okay and yeah. you, and you got april and may to get ready for your summer season in june and yep. july and then you got august and and then that's going to affect how you look at august september october and yep. then and then and then the next season starts november december you know and, and you roll yep. from there you know so so what do you what are you looking at on your films or when you're talking with your coaching staff and you kind of went into it a little bit, but if you could expand on that a little bit more, you know, how are you, what specifically are you looking for? What are you looking at? You know, so forth and so on.
1: The biggest thing that I kind of look at is what kind of team are we going to have? I mean, will this team mimic a little bit of last year's team or not? Will it be a completely different team? Do we have to adjust or adopt um, new philosophies or add new philosophies to what we currently have? And then, as far as going back and watching film, I want to know, like, how are we turning the ball over? Are we turning it over because of defensive pressure? Are we turning it over because of our bad passing and poor decision-making? Um, or shot selection? Are these hurried shots? or these selfish shots? If we could grade our shots, are these A's, B's, C's, D's, or F's? Um, are we getting the shots in the right spots. Are they up top of the key? Are they down in the baseline or in the corner? Um, Are we getting to the free throw line? Are we aggressive in the open floor? Are we executing plays offensively? Maybe we need to scratch that play and put in a new play. Um, And then defensively, can we move fast enough to play a zone trap? Are we athletic enough to do that? Or are we a team that has to kind of sit in the gaps and play man-to-man? behind the arc or inside the arc, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, Just kind of evaluating what we have returning, what we can add to what we have returning and what we need to take away from what we have returning. Um, And then, you know, how are we starting games? Are we starting games in a good spot? Are we starting games where, holy moly, that's just not working. We have to change it up. Maybe we should start one defensive possession zone just to get that out of the way and then go into man or, offensively are we running a quick hitter or do we have to run something more deliberate, more motion orientated? That's going to take a couple of seconds off the clock. Mm-hmm. Um, just that kind of stuff. And then, you know, sadly, like this year we started five seniors and then our top two, um, uh, substitutions were seniors as well. So we're graduating seven, seven of our top seven.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we return a couple of great young kids. So Right now, for me, this year more than anything else, this summer, it's about reps. It's about getting those kids in the gym and getting reps at a high level and at a good pace, so that it's not shock and awe when <laughs> it's December third and we're playing our first game against East High School, and all of a sudden this game is at a different pace than we had played in June, July, and August.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's the the, the hardest kit thing. Uh, for players to understand is the speed of the game going from freshman to JV or from JV to varsity. You know they think they're ready for it, and then they get thrown into it, and you're like, "Oh boy, here we go! This is this yeah. this is moving a heck of a lot faster than what I thought it would."
1: Yeah, it's the, the that's for me. That's my biggest concern is how young we're going to be. I mean, last summer, for example, we had all these seniors coming in. Mm -hmm. and my thought process was excuse me i got a little bit of a cold Mm -hmm. my thought process with all these seniors coming into this year was okay we got to find the right mix of guys that help us the best defensively and offensively
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and then we have to work on timing we have to work on timing on our offense we have to work on execution of our offense execution of our sets and then rotations defensively, our timing on defense and recognizing moments. So I thought, we're going to be fine. We have a bunch of seniors, guys that have had tons of reps, guys that have played a ton of basketball at a good pace. We're going to be just fine. Um, so my, my concern was not reps. My concern was not pace. My concern was not conditioning. My concern was not skill. You know, it's always skill. I shouldn't say it wasn't skill, but it's always skill. But it's just like I felt a little more comfortable knowing that we had we were probably going to be starting five seniors, which we inevitably did. Mm-hmm. And then we were going to have seniors coming in off the bench that also could have start, started in a handful of different games. So I felt good about that. Now it was just dialing some things in, tweaking this, tweaking that, making sure everybody was understanding what we were trying to get out of this particular set or that particular offense mm-hmm. as well as defense. So now this year, you know, we graduated. I went back because I had the time. Um, we, I went back we returned four points off of this year oh wow yeah so now my concern is repetition repetition repeti- reps 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 and pace and, and just condition and getting a, I've got a, a postman that we need to work on his hands so I'm going to be throwing tennis balls at him all summer yeah it's, just, it's the idea of catching the basketball and putting it under his chin um, we got a couple of young men that need to shoot 10,000 shots this summer so that it becomes second nature in a game. Yeah. Next winter, um, we've got a couple of kids that need to take turns playing point guard, so we got to do all kinds of ball handling and all kinds of situational stuff as often as we possibly can, mm-hmm. and do that at a high level. So this summer is going to be different than next than last
0: summer. Yeah. Yeah, and that's you know that's a great concept to think of. You know, you've got a coach each team differently and anybody that thinks, well, I'm going to, I'm going to coach every team the same, well, you got to reinvent it every year, you know, and, and and you've got to, you've got to come in with the fresh ideas. You know, I, I always put a lot of pressure on myself to, um, to reinvent it every year, you know, to step away and go, okay, what we got to be better next year. You know, even if we were coming off a really successful season, we got to do it better next year. What can we do to make it better next year, you know, and to to reinvent that? And you can't just assume that because things were this way this year, especially when things are going well, that it's going to go well the next year. Don't you think? Sure. Yeah, most
1: definitely. Here's a great admirer for you. When I first became a high school basketball coach, and then even more so when when I was offered the position to be the head coach, uh, you know, you always – Everybody's got that mentor, you know. I've got several, but I remember specifically calling Coach Meyer, letting him know, "Hey, you know, I, I've been offered this awesome, you know, position. I'm going to be the head coach at Bishop Heelan, mm-hmm. and we've had such success, and it's a storied program. And I hope I can continue that. You know, that's my goal is to continue that and make sure that everybody's, you know, growing and getting better, and they're great people and coming out of high school, and obviously we want to win ball games too." Uh, he he said, here's what you need to do. And I, I kind of thought about this last week, every year at the end of the year, you need to put two envelopes in your drawer and one envelope reads, you've just been fired, pack your things and leave. And the other envelope and the other drawer reads, you've just take, you've just been hired to take over this basketball program. What are you going to do to evaluate it, to assess it, and then implement everything you need to do to get this program on a winning track. So I'm kind of in that process right now of I need to somehow flush everything that I know about this program out. Mm-hmm. And then I need to, as far as its current players and returning players, and then I need to now get in front of these people and recognize what they can do, what they need to improve on. And then how are we going to, in- to implement all of that? Yeah. So that's, that's a my reason for you right there. Yeah. Have an envelope in one drawer that says you've been fired. Have an envelope in another drawer that says you've just been hired to take over this program. Go.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a great way to think of it. Um, you know, you, you, uh, you almost gave away our, our Don Meyer quote of the day there. So that's all right, Andy. I won't hold that against you. So yeah, <laughs> um, what, what's, what's some of the stuff uh, that you took with you? Uh, from from Tom Betts?
1: Coach Betts? Yeah. His, just his energy, his demand for just, you know, obviously excellence, but his demand for just competitive edge, he wouldn't allow for a, for a mediocre practice. Um, he wouldn't allow for it. Whether that all of a sudden, I mean, there was days where the practice plan was put together, but all of a sudden it was just like, you know what, this ain't working. We're going to scrap this whole deal. And for the next 45 minutes, we're just going to compete in everything we do. It's going to be a highly competitive practice, whether it's full-court competition, half-court competition, rebounding competition, scoring competition, defensive competition. We're just going to get after it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just his, his relationships with the guys. Um, that's one thing I noticed right away. Now, when I got here, he had already been the head coach for about four or five years. So there were some of those guys that he got to coach that were slowly getting out of high school, I'm sorry, out of college and then getting into their careers or their families. Yep. Yeah. And I was always impressed with those guys wanting to come back to Heelan to just be around, say hi, stop in, watch a game, um, or even he would ask them to come back and speak at camp to mm-hmm. little kids. He would ask them to come back and speak at halftime. Um, or before games, um, just the relationships he had with those guys, those past players, um, probably one of the biggest things was that, that it was important to him to make sure that the relationships were always good. Even though there may have been a few athletes that, you know, weren't influential parts of the team on the floor during game night.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I, I talk to our
1: guys all the time whether you want to hear it or not if there's 15 guys on the team there's one guy that's the best and there's one guy that's not mm-hmm. you know and even those guys that didn't get moments to play on the floor as often as others they still found it important and they found a respect to come back and still be a part of it whether it was an alumni open gym an alumni game a moment for you know Christmas break or Thanksgiving break those those moments where those kids come back to be with their family, they would always find a moment to come back to the gym and say hi and be a part of it and just talk to the fellas, whether it was before a game, after a practice, before a practice, whatever it may be. I was always impressed with his ability to maintain a relationship because during a season as a coach, you're so focused on your fellas and your staff and your your moment that it's easy to forget about – other things that are going on. Uh-huh. So I mean, when, for example, they, they adjusted our our district this year, and they asked Carol to come into our district. Well, somebody called me up and said, "Hey, Coach, you see Carol's in your district." I they asked, "What do you know about them?" I, I knew nothing about them. <laughs> nothing. I, I said, "I I know about us, and I know zero about Carol." I jumped on quick stats real quick, and I noticed they got a couple of kids averaging double figures. One kid's averaging around eighteen.
2: Looks to be impressive. That's all I knew. Yeah. I I knew nothing about him because my
1: world was Bishop healing boys basketball. Sure. You know, and he, he showed me that, yes, that's highly, highly, highly important. And that's why they asked you to be the head coach because you need to worry about that. But you also need to take a moment and remember all those things of the past Mm -hmm. and those kids that are around and build a relationship with those kids. And Something could be happening. You know, uh, maybe there's a, a high positive moment where an alumni just had a child. And they want to share that with you, or they just got married and they want to invite you to the wedding. Or maybe there's something you know, in a bad moment. They just lost their grandfather, they just lost their father, the mother, something like that. Yeah. So being there for your alum as well as your current players and building relationships with them, that's one of the things um Tommy Betts showed me and kind of painted a little picture for me. And then obviously
0: just your loyalty to the program. Mm-hmm. So, and I think everything's spot on with Tom. I mean, you know, I I was fortunate to work for him for for one year um, before we moved down here to Omaha. And everything you said is is absolutely spot on, you know. And I always thought one of the strengths of Tom was in building those relationships. He made the 15th kid feel just as important as Nate Funk or Dylan Grimsley, you know. (coughs) You know, and 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 I think that's, you know, one of the biggest compliments that you can pay to him as a a coach and and the lifelong relationships that he established with his players. I wholeheartedly agree with you there. So um, so you've you know, we've we've talked about Coach Meyer a little bit. We're going to change it up here where we got to the uh, we got to the Don Meyer quote of the day. And for, for 24 episodes, I've been the one that has come up with the Don Meyer quote of the day. But uh, since since uh, Coach Foster, since you played for Coach Meyer, I we, we talked about this before we we started recording. I'm going to let you give our listeners the Don Meyer quote of the day for the Diamond episode here of our interview podcast series. So it's all you, Coach.
1: Okay, there's so many of them. Um, I'm going to give you. I want to give you several, and I, I'm sure you've heard. Most of them, if not all of them, but one that I use often is you cannot fake the harvest. Uh, For all you farmers out there, all you coaches that grew up on a farm, you understand wholeheartedly what that means. You have to get out and you have to do the work well before the harvest to reap the benefits of the harvest. Um, Another good one is there comes a time when winter will ask what you've done all summer. Yep. that's one that's, that's used often, um, shared ownership, shared suffering for a collective pride. Um, and then, uh, one that I, that I talked to, you know, it kind of helps keep, keeps you dialed in on keeping the main thing, the main thing, obviously that's another quote we used earlier, keeping the main thing, the main thing, it kind of helps you stay focused. One that you can springboard off of that is he talked about, find your unique gift or talent,
2: mm-hmm.
1: develop that unique gift or talent to its fullest because nobody wants uh mediocrity. And then once you've developed that gift or talent that you found to its fullest, give that gift or talent away every day. Um, and I think that's one that I think of often as far as me as a coach, I think that's what I've been asked to do. And I'm trying to develop it every day, every clinic I go to, every season. I'm trying to get a little bit better, and then I'm just trying to give it away every day. And I'll fall short, but um, just doing that is in itself is keeping the main thing the main thing.
0: One Coach Meyer story that will always stick out in your mind. <laughs> um, or maybe, I don't know, one, two, you know, wh- right whatever you want to go with, Andy.
1: Sure. Well, there's, there's one, there's,
0: there's, there's there's quite a few. uh, Actually, let me rephrase that. What was, what was your first impression when, when you met him? Because, because he as brilliant as he was, and I I think this kind of goes hand in hand with brilliance. He saw the world, he saw the sky in a little bit different shade of blue than everybody else as well. You know, so you'd probably heard about this guy a little bit, and, and then you meet him. What was your first impression? So,
1: I he calls me. He, coach Olson had just resigned to become the athletic director mm-hmm. at Northern State. Coach Meyer uh, just becomes the head coach. And all of the returners got a phone call from him. And... At the time, um, I'm currently, at the time I wore my hair bald. Now I am just simply bald, but back then I shaved my head, uh, real short and his first, and obviously coach Meyer was bald headed. And one of the very, very first conversations, uh, he calls my home. I answer the phone. And the first question he asked me is who's your barber. <laughs> so Try to try to lighten the mood a little bit. Um, we had a great conversation about basketball and expectations. So I was also an RA at Northern State, a uh, resident assistant. So I was always kind of on campus before anybody else was to do RA training and get prepared to have students in the dormitories and things like that. Um, so it was early August. I get there, and I wanted to meet him in person. I had just visited with him on the phone a couple of different times. And I walked into his office, and I'm standing in the doorway, and right to my immediate right is his desk. And his desk is facing a wall that uh, has a map of the Midwest on it. And I'm, there's thumbtacks all over the map. And, and each thumbtack, thumbtack is a brief description of returning players, kind of maybe what they averaged, how many rebounds, what they need to work on, the position they played, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I walk in, I knock on the door, and I'm just standing right there in the doorway, and I say, hey, Coach Meyer, my name is Andy Foster from Caledonia, um, returning sophomore. I'm on campus for a training. I wanted to stop in and say, hi, that kind of spiel. Yeah. And he never looks up at me, Marty. He never makes eye contact with me. <laughs> he just looks up at the map, finds my quote unquote thumbtack, reads a handful of things that somebody had told him, probably coach Sather or his, his assistants, whatever um, reads a handful of things still has not made eye contact with him. I've been standing there for probably 10 seconds, 15 seconds. He, Re- still no eye contact. He tells me, you need to get a, a high one-second foul through on your free throw. We need you to get to the free throw line four or five more times a night. We need three or four more rebounds a night out of you, and we need two or three more points a night out of you. Still no eye contact. Then he wheels his chair. He just kind of slides across his office, grabs a handful of videos, VHS video cassettes off of his bookshelf, wheels himself back across his office to the front of the door, still hasn't even looked up at me, <laughs> hands me three, I think, maybe maybe two video cassettes, and says, I want you to watch these videos, and I expect notes on them by tomorrow morning. And then, I don't think he said dismissed, but I kind of felt like I'd been dismissed. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember walking out of the Barnett Center, out of that office area, going, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what have I committed to? <laughs>
2: um,
1: so that was my very, very first time ever meeting him. And then um, the first time as a team, we're in the coach, we're in the locker room. We had just got done doing a really good workout on the floor. We go into the locker room and coach Meyer says, all right, everybody, take out your notebooks and your pens. And obviously nobody had one because mm-hmm. we hadn't ever needed them. Yeah. And this was his teaching moment. For us, he he never cussed, but he would get frustrated and he'd get angry and he was very, very passionate. That's how he became who he was. Yeah. and And he just screamed at us about the importance of always being ready to take notes, always being ready to have a pen, always have a notebook on hand and ready because you're never not good enough to learn something. You're never too good. So he just, that was his way of leaving an impression to us, reminding us, listen, here's how we're doing things now. You will always have a notebook and you will always have a pen. When we meet together as a team or when we meet together individually as coach and player, you will have a notebook and a pen ready to go. And then he handed out his notebooks and his pens and we started taking notes. That was the first time we met as a team and he wanted to leave a lasting impression. And boy, had he. Yeah. To this day, I'm always taking notes. I have got notes all over my office. Some of them are, you know, meaningless thoughts, but it's just something I want to put on paper. And then I go back and realize, hey, that was that was a terrible idea. (laughs) But you know,
0: um, but for every ten bad ideas, there's one good idea. But you got to go through the ten bad ideas before you get to the one good idea. You know, you
1: just gotta you just gotta get there. Yeah, Um, and then uh, I can remember. You know, obviously the, the the notes and and meeting in his office and the films. Um, one night in practice, he he was a perfectionist in practice. He wanted practices to run very smoothly and almost perfect. And we were doing full court layups. You know, kind of the early early part of practice. The first, probably one of the first three things we had done. You know, quick ball handling, quick uh, shooting progression underneath the basket, and then it was let's get the blood going do a little bit of full court layups kind of stuff. It's pretty mundane, pretty simple, but still important. And you needed to swish the layup cleanly off the backboard as you laid it in. Mm -hmm. He wanted all of our layups to be power shots. So it wasn't a finger roll or anything like that. He wanted them to be carried up with two hands as far as you could and then go as hard as you could towards it. But then just before you get there, lay it off the glass and make it cleanly through the hoop. And we weren't doing that. We had, in fact, missed a couple layups. We had, we weren't making them cleanly. And you could just see his blood boiling. You could see, like, okay, he's going to blow his whistle, and something's going to happen. We're going to run. I don't know what, but something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And he blows his whistle. And I'm telling you, Coach, we were eight minutes into practice. He <laughs> blows his whistle, and he's just in this voice, just, you get it, me, bring it in. And we all hustle over and we always had to have our hands up and ready for a catch. And if you weren't ready, he would throw a ball and it would hit you in the stomach. It would hit you in the groin. It would hit you in the face. Your hands had to be ready. Uh And uh, so we're all standing in a circle. We sprint over to him. We got our hands up, ready to catch a ball, thinking he's going to start throwing balls at guys to catch them. And he's like, you guys got 15 seconds to get your butts off this floor before I start kicking them. I'm like, I think he's really going to he'll beat us up I mean, that's the fear he I mean, that's the toughness he showed yeah. and, the, and the fear that he that he imposed and we're like and then he started counting backwards from 15 like he's following through with this all of a sudden it's 15 14, 13, 12 and we're all looking at each other like I think the old man's gonna go crazy we just take off running guys are running wherever <laughs> they can yeah. running like
0: they stole something yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, we all just take off, run into the tunnel, and we go to the locker room, and we're thinking, okay, he's going to come back in any time and tell us, let's regroup, let's start over. Nope. That was it, man. He kicked us out of practice, and we needed to uh, regroup and, and on our own have a conversation as a team and then take the floor the next day. So, I, I mean, I can remember him doing things like that, just, mm. you know you either get better or get the heck out of here type of thing. Yeah, um,
0: And putting the onus on you guys as a team to come together as a team and have you guys figure it out because he can figure it out for you, but he correct. wanted you guys to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, uh, can remember, I can remember him being two inches from my face at Duluth, Minnesota, reminding me how badly I'm playing.
0: <laughs> i actually saw that uh I, yeah i you know i've 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 seen that done before yeah you know and uh was he cheering uh chewing spearmint or, or wrigley's that day? <laughs> I,
1: I just remember my face was covered in some spit <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh that's good that, you know uh, that's great stuff. We could go on with that for for hours. Um, I, I would love to hear it, but uh, we're going to move on to some other stuff here. Uh, we're going to jump into kind of your coaching philosophy, Coach. Um, one of the things we wanted to talk about: uh, you're in a unique system. You're you're in Sioux City, Iowa. Uh, it's around 120,000 people ish. You know, if you add in all the boroughs around it, um, uh, you're the one Catholic school, um, which is good in some ways, uh, but also some ways it can be a little bit frustrating. The good thing is you can bring in kids from anywhere. Uh, the bad thing is you don't know where kids are coming from, um, in a, in a lot of ways. Um, what are, uh, how do you, how do you have your, your program organized? If, if, and this is kind of geared more towards our private school coaches, perhaps with this question, um, you know, how do you organize your system as opposed to uh, a South Sioux City, who knows these are the kids we're going to have from sixth, seventh, eighth grade on the way up, unless somebody moves in or moves out, you know, or yeah. or a, a a small town, you know, Sheldon, Iowa, Lamar's, Iowa, you know, yeah. that type of thing. Uh, what do you do to uh, try and, and and develop kids to play basketball the the Crusader way as as young players?
1: Uh-huh we kind of touched base on it earlier but it's just getting in the gym and making sure the gym is available and then once you get them in there making sure that it's and I have to get better at this as every coach probably does I I walk away like I walk away from this season where we had fallen short a little bit we weren't as good as we kind of hoped we should be we lost one of our best players or if not our best player to a back injury for the season so it was it was one of those years where it was kind of a rebuilding but we were still competitive and we didn't we didn't necessarily steal any wins, but we won the games we were supposed to. And um, I walked away thinking, man, our open gym's got to get better. Our, our skill development's got to get better. we got to get down to the younger kids. We have to make them better. We just have to make everything better and more competitive. That's the end of the day. doesn't matter. Get better. Um, so with me, it, it's, it's kind of become that. The more and more I seem like every year, everybody else is getting better, so you have to get better. Mm -hmm. every year everybody else is getting more competitive so you have to find a way to gain a competitive edge and and do it in a good healthy way and keeping the main thing the main thing and growth over everything else Mm -hmm. but we've kind of gotten some extra help with our youth lately we've got an organization here at bishop healing called we are healing our youth athletics program they're kind of making some really nice additions to it and kind of giving us more support and giving us more involvement than ever before Mm -hmm. um So the biggest thing for me, like third through fifth, sixth grade, is to be seen, be available, and then give those kids opportunities to be in your gym and in your moments, invite them to to games, invite them to practices, have clinics for just them with your older guys, and just kind of start to build a relationship with those kids and help those kids recognize what could be. Mm -hmm. Then with sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, I'm finding myself Finding more opportunities to go watch them play, finding more opportunities to get them in our gym and maybe help run a practice, finding more opportunities for me to get into a gym and, and watch their practice, whether it's in our gym or another gym. Um, I, have, I find myself spending time, like, I, you know, we're at the backside of our season, so I'm talking about we need to get together with our youth coaches and have some fellowship and talk about were we in a good spot you know, this new program is fluid, what needs to be changed, what needs to be added, what needs to be taken away, that kind of stuff. Just making sure that all of our youth coaches and myself, we all understand what what the main thing is mm-hmm. and then how that main thing is adapted from 3rd through 5th and then 6th, 7th, and 8th, and then eventually getting into ninth grade through senior. Um, but yeah, I mean, making sure our kids know the importance of – we've got to get better keeping a competitive edge, but doing it in a situation that everybody's getting an opportunity to play. And then um, like you would touch base, you, you sometimes don't know there could be a late addition or a late subtraction to your team. The okay. kid may transfer, things may come up where tuition becomes a problem and the family has to move out. Uh, they can't necessarily afford it. There's no tuition assistance or all of a sudden, there's a new family moving in, and they're a part of your program, whether they're the first guy or the fifteenth guy. So you just never really, you truly never know who's going to be on your roster until November 15th. Yeah, and then you have to take a deep breath, run two or three. I mean, this year we had over nine through 12. We had over 50 guys show up on the first day of practice. Well, we don't we don't have 50 uniforms for yeah. 9 through 12 seniors. Yeah. Nine through, you know, ninth grade to twelfth grade, so we have to do some evaluations. And some of these guys are guys that i have never seen all summer long. Yeah, you know. So you have to try to find a way to evaluate them and give them a fair assessment, and then either keep them or cut them.
0: How do you how do you how do you handle that when you have to cut a kid? That's tough. I mean, that's that's the worst. That's that, that's the worst thing you have to do as a high school coach, in my opinion. But you know, how, so how do you, how do you handle that?
1: Making sure early in the pro early in the, like the very very first practice. When um, there's 50 guys there, you need to make sure everybody is fully educated in the fact that we are going to be making it to about where there's going to be. We'll keep every freshman, but we can only have, you know, roughly 30 or 25 sophomores through senior, Mm -hmm. you know, um, we, we don't have enough for everybody and making sure they understand that, hey, some of you I, I haven't seen, and we've had over 50-some open gyms, and you haven't been to a single one. We've had over 12 to 15 summer league games. I haven't seen you at a one. Though, as long as they know and they're educated as to our expectations weren't met, then it makes it a little bit easier. But you're right. It's never easy. It doesn't make it uh, you know, better, mm-hmm. but – just making sure they understand that and then just kind of reiterating that practice number two, three and four. Mm-hmm. And then usually around the fifth practices when we start to have conversations with kids saying, Hey, you're just behind skill wise. You're not in a position that can help us. And we're not, you're not in a position that we can set you up for success. And if that's the case, then I'm sorry. Um, but you know, it's, it's never easy. Sometimes it's a phone call conversation to mom and dad first, explaining to them, Hey, this is going to happen today. Your son might come home a little down, but, you know, it's just something we had to do, and I have to sit in this chair and have to make these decisions. So yeah, here we are.
0: I, uh, I had never considered, you know, calling the parents beforehand and and kind of giving them a heads up so they know what's going on. You know, uh, yeah. that's uh, um, has, has that been a positive thing? Has that helped has. ease the blow a little bit?
1: It has. It has. Moms and dads do appreciate that. Obviously, there's moms and dads that disagree. Yeah.
2: You know,
1: and then you just have to have a conversation with them. Uh, Professional, like, hey, I, I've been asked to sit in this chair and be the head coach and wear the whistle and hold the clipboard. And this is, you know, a decision that I have to make. And I'm sorry, that doesn't mean that we can't, you know, if they're a young youngster, we can't keep them in the loop, get them back in the open gyms, and then, you know, reevaluate next year. But for this year, this is where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and then find that young kid, whether it's during a study hall, after school, that kind of stuff, and have a good conversation with them. And, and then, you know, try to end it with a handshake and
0: hug, and, and that's the deal. I mean, it's just part of the deal. Yep. Yeah. Um, what do you uh, What are you thinking about for for player development this this summer? What are some things that you guys and, and again, you haven't thought a lot about it yet? What are some things that you've done in the past? What are some things that um, Let me rephrase that. What are some things that you've done in your system that you think has been very positive as far as player development and and how you've been able to, to make your kids better players.
1: So these last couple of summers, we can't really work with our kids from Saturday of the state championship game until June one. So once June one hits our open gyms on Wednesdays and Sunday nights, the first 20 to 25, if not 30 minutes of them are skill development. Mm -hmm. And we started to invite our eighth graders and some of our seventh graders into those open gyms. So we've got bigger numbers, and we can attack a bigger group of guys. Um, so we'll be doing some ball handling, some shooting progression stuff, and then we'll even do some defensive stuff, passing, catching, that kind of stuff. So we'll do a quick burst of skill development before they start playing. There's nothing more annoying than when they have open zooms and they just simply play five-on-five, five, pick up ball, and it's, it's sloppy, it's gross, it's not competitive, it's just like, hey, don't worry, there's going to be another game in 15 minutes. Yeah. So I want to make sure we tire them out. We get them to fatigue with ball handling, skill development, shooting progression, defensive transition stuff. And then during the summer in our open gyms, if it's a big number, we can create a quick silly little, we've got a great facility now. So we can have six hoops going and we can do a quick three on three tournament Mm -hmm. just to make it competitive or just change it up Four and four continuous from the side, three on three tournament, uh, you know, just five on five pickup trying to do things to make keep it fresh keep it hip keep it uh, competitive and something the guys kind of gravitate to and enjoy
2: yeah
0: yeah um do you guys uh do when you do those 20 to 30 minutes is that just everybody kind of doing all the same thing do you little do a little post post guard work you know uh, or does it kind of just depend on the day it kind of depends on the day more
1: often than not it's everybody doing the same thing Mm -hmm. um but there are moments where we're like, all right, I want the bigs down here. Give me five more minutes, guards, right, you do some, you know, uh, we call it uh, um, USD shooting or some sort of shooting drill.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we'll we'll do that. But more often than not, I want everybody to be able to do the same thing. Mm
2: hmm. Mm hmm.
0: Okay. Um, half court offense. You know, sure. I, I know Tom was terrific and, and i was with tom his first year as head coach and and even then he just had a a great instinct for calling the right play at the right time and and the execution that he ran it with and and, and he was able to get the kids to run it with uh, yes. you know uh I'm guessing you've taken some of that stuff. You know, what are some things that you do with your half court stuff? Uh, I know the medium is, this is the, the one thing that sucks about podcasts. I could I keep complaining about it. Uh, but, uh, I wish we could, uh, teleport or, or video it as we're talking here. If you start describing some stuff, but if you've got, uh, a couple of sets or concepts out of your sets that you like to, to, to run, uh, just, just tell our listeners kind of what you guys look for when you're putting together your, half-court offensive stuff and, and your specials what are you what are you looking to do there sure again it goes back to
1: kind of personnel what do you have on the floor and situations you know that kind of stuff um but we do i, I have adapted and adopted uh, a lot of tommy's um old stuff if that's what you want to call it uh we've found little wrinkles in it here and there but i love to go through and it's it's something maybe i need to do more often you know as you go back you evaluate yourself as a coach like we just talked about but it's i like to go back and, and during practice do situational stuff you know up three down three three minutes to go sideline out of bounds just got to get it in because you got to go 94 feet and you're going to get fouled because you're up five with 15 seconds or now it's the other way around um you and you got to pick it up and you know that kind of stuff i love doing situational stuff uh there was a game this year as a matter of fact where you know when we felt short we we're playing abraham lincoln who's actually in a sub-state final right now uh, they play goodness i don't know monday or tuesday to get to the state tournament but uh-huh. um we had them at our place and we had them on the ropes and um we were up one with I don't know, four seconds left and they had a sideline out of bounds. And I had chosen to put two bigs in the game, one on the ball and one under the basket. And I kind of anticipated that he was going to be running kind of a slip screen action play for his best player to get a touch either. Um, kind of right in front of their bench or in the lane. Mm-hmm. And, he he ran kind of what we thought. It was a different look, but it was essentially the same thing. He, he ran a slip, and his best player got a ball, and got the touch, and, and and made a basket, and we lose by one point. And if I could go back, I would have put three bigs in the game, and I would have put one on the one on the ball and two under the
0: basket, just to try to get any sort of deflection or steal. Yeah, you know, so just find a way things. to kill those four seconds.
1: Yeah, yeah, just to try to slap, have have one more taller guy in there just to slap that pass away or anything, you know, get it at its peak on the way down, um, just those kinds of things. But uh, yeah, I mean, out of timeout stuff, I mean, it's become so big that 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 uh, OTOs. Just what are you running out of a timeout? What are you running to, to start a quarter? What are you doing to finish a quarter? You know. I'm always thinking about okay. This year we had a left-handed point guard, so we needed to kind of flop a lot of the stuff we've done in the past to the mm-hmm. other side of the floor, and then making sure okay, do we have the shooters in the game that we need to have in the game? If they haven't, do they have guys? Do we have guys in the game in the half court that they're going to have to lock and trail, which then opens up some lane lines for our guys to attack and get to the rim on? Uh, do we have that guy on the right side of the floor so that our left-handed point guard can turn the corner without help defender being in there? Um, that kind of stuff. I love trying to figure that out, and that's one thing you know. Going back, I, I know I'm kind of backtracking, but I've asked Tommy about I mean He and I talk daily, if mm-hmm. not two or three times. And um, one of the first things I I asked him about a year after he had stopped coaching, I said, "What do you miss the most?" And he said, "I miss the figuring out of stuff. I miss figuring out. Okay, they're in a one-three-one. What can we run?" to beat it yeah Um, or what lineup can we put on the floor to be successful he's like he's just the thing i I miss the most besides the the fellowship and the relationships is the figuring out of your team and figuring out of the moment Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah i mean i i love taking an old play that the guys know really well like a G1 I'm sure you remember
0: those oh, plays. <laughs> I remember the G series oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: the guard hook series I love taking an old guard hook series play and calling a timeout and then putting a little wrinkle on it because your opponent knows it. You know, west, east, north, yep. they know it. South yep. Sioux, they know that. Yep. I mean, goodness gracious, TC was at Healing, so he knows the <laughs> guard hook series. But when TC was at South Sioux, we'd call a timeout, and we just put a little wrinkle on it. Yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and when it works, there's no better feeling than the guys. They're like, okay, that, 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 that instills a little trust from the guys to you mm-hmm. because you just drew something up that they know. And then you you trusted them to try a little wrinkle or a twist, and then they go out, execute it, and it works. And they look over the bench like, "Ah, oh, coach gets it. Yeah. He gets it. You know? Yeah. Th- those, ty- those types of moments. You know, I like finding those moments. And then recognizing a defense, whether they're 2-3, what works best. Should we go um, four guards out with one big in, or should we have two bigs in working together with three guards out? Uh, front zone even front zone that kind of stuff mm-hmm. as hard as it can be it's, it's it's pretty fun
2: yeah
0: i I completely agree with Tom on that you know other than being around the kids um and just the 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 fellowship and camaraderie with the coaches um I miss the the, the two things I miss the most are going to practice and helping kids get better yeah. and then figuring out something and there's a certain satisfaction with, okay, I've watched four tapes on, you know, no shoot tech. Um, this is what we're going to run in this situation. You figure it out and you execute what you've been planning on executing for the last three or four days. And it comes to fruition and, 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 and going through that process of figuring out how to be prepared for them. That's, that's, <coughs> the, that's, I, I, I do really, really miss that part of it. I really do.
1: I mean, there's been there's been games where, okay, I've watched this kid on film play five games, and he's right-handed, but he loves going left. And when you figure that out, when you tally that, you've watched five games, and you've seen this kid score 50 times, and 42 of them, he's gone left.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then when you can put that, you can implement that, that scout – And you tell your athlete, listen, this is going to sound crazy and ridiculous, but Mm force him right. Yeah, and then they do it, and the kid, you hold the kid to six or eight points.
2: Yeah, that's that's good stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I, and I won't mention the kid, and I won't mention the team. But when I had probably my 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 best stretch of teams at Scott, and we played a team in our conference, and they were good. I mean, they were good, but we were better. And they had a they had a kid, who was a good player. Um, but we were, you know, I had one or I had at least one kid that was better than her, and, and her supporting staff was better than the supporting staff that the other player had. And after the fourth time we had played them over two years, she was she was sitting on her bench after the game, and you could just see the look on her face where it was just like. No matter what we do or what I do, I just can't beat these guys. Yeah. And I, I I as a kid I got to know really, really well through some through some AAU stuff and she was a sweetheart of a kid and she was a great she was a really nice high school player. But there was a little part of me that was just like <sighs> Yeah. You know, we've broken we've broken you mentally. And and there was a little bit satisfying with that as well, too. You know. Yeah. Uh not not in a mean way. Like you said, you, you do that in the right way, you do it with um uh I, I forget how you said it earlier, but it, you said it in a great way. You do it in an appropriate way, but, yeah. but there's but there's a certain thing where okay, I've put my kids in a position where you just you just know there's nothing you can do. And and that's yeah. that's that's a great feeling in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know,
1: absolutely. So. And then, then when you when you you scout like crazy and you give them the answers to the test, they go. Out, they take the test, and they're gonna. It, the best is when they're about to be successful. They haven't got the A yet, but they're about to be successful. There's 30 seconds left. You got possession. They just called the timeout. You're gonna score. You're gonna get fouled. You're gonna score two more points. You just know it's the wins there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and you weren't supposed to win that game. Mm -hmm. And then you you get to walk down the the bench and you tell the guys, listen, this is a business trip. We're going to act like this was supposed to happen. We're going to shake hands and we're going to go in that locker room and we're going to go bananas. We're not storming the floor. This was supposed to happen. Yep. And when you get to do those things, you know, you get to look at your guys and your gals and say, listen, this isn't a shock. This was supposed I was expecting this. So we're not storming the floor. Yeah. We're gonna shake hands. We're going to the locker room. Now we're gonna cut loose and jump up and down, and sp- you know, spill water all over each other.
0: Yeah, Yep. yeah. We had that uh, the first time. The first time I beat South Sioux as a head coach, it was my fourth year, and we beat him to go to the state tournament. And we came back, and that was probably the most talented team I've I've had as a head coach. And we played him in the conference tournament. And my kids were really geeked up and ready to play. And this is when Kelly was at his zenith. I mean, they sure. were just absolutely, you know, they were just kind of coming down from it a little bit. And we were up 30 at one point. And this is after they had beaten Scott by 30, 40, 50 over the years. And I remember calling timeout with about three and a half minutes or about five minutes left to go in the game. I told my starters, to play. you're going to play one more minute. We're going to, I'm going to take you out. I don't want you freaking out. We'll, 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 go do it in the locker room, but act like you've won this because we're going to see him again. And don't act like you're surprised. Don't make it because there's a lot of pride over there on that other sideline, but we're going to, we're going to do this the right way because yeah. we, we expected this to happen, you know? And I, and I think that's, as you're building your program, you, don't you think that's important to establish that, You know we we deserve this because we've worked that hard, don't you think, Coach?
1: Yeah, yeah. But we're humble in defeat, and we're humble in victory. We're not, you know, we're not. I can remember before huge games thinking. I remember specifically a few years ago, we were uh, we were again not expected. We were we knew we'd compete with them. I thought we could win. I knew we could win, and our opponent was there's all kinds of tweets out there and memes out there and things like that. And I just remember specifically having a conversation with our guys, the practice to start the practice the night before saying, listen, I know wholeheartedly there's going to be mistakes. We will not be perfect. We will turn the ball over about 12 to 15 times, if not more. But what we do, are we going to fight through that frustration? Are we going to trust our training? Are we going to put, stay disciplined and just our reactions to those moments in a negative way are not going to help us. But if we can react to those moments in a positive way and be okay and just trust it, we're going to come out on top of this thing. I remember specifically just having this conversation like they, they could put all the things on social media they want. They could promote their program all they want. They can do all these different things. We're just going to humbly try to win a ball game. That's yep. what we're gonna do.
2: Yep.
1: And then to go to go do it is pretty it's awesome. Yeah. It makes it makes the locker room better. The guys grow as a group. Um they gain more trust in you. Um you gain more trust in them. It's just everything's awesome. For those when you can find
2: those moments as a teachable moment and seize it, that's the best. Yep.
1: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Coach, do you have any social media that folks can reach out to you or, or learn more about the healing program at all? Any Snapchat or Twitters or anything like that?
1: Uh, yeah, we've got our healing boys basketball Twitter feed. Um, I I don't even know for sure what it is, uh, as far as the handle, I, Jay Wright runs it. He and I kind of, he for the most part has the green light on that. I'm on Twitter. I do a lot of retweeting more than anything else. Um, foster a 52, I think is my handle. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, yeah, I'm out on Twitter. I'm on Snapchat, but I I don't know what in the world I'm doing all the time on it. (laughs) Um, uh, uh, What else? What else? What else? We've got uh, Facebook, you know, just my wife and I, that kind of stuff. Sure.
0: uh, Sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Coach Foster, I, I can't thank you enough. I know you've you've got the the downtime that you want to spend with your daughters, but but thank it. Uh, thank you for the time uh, that that you spent with us here at a Pin and a Napkin. Uh, so many good things here uh, that that I've been able to jot down as we've gone through today's podcast, and and uh, I just can't thank you enough for your time. So uh,
1: absolutely, call anytime, man. I love I love sitting back and talking with coaches about coaching.
0: Yeah, well, maybe we're going to do a and this little preview for the ne- for the coming week. We got the Nebraska Girls State Tournament. Uh we're going to do at least two round table pods um down at the state tournament. We've got those we're in the final process of getting that lined up. And maybe it's uh one of those where I get up to Sioux City at some point and we get uh three or four of us to sit around and put on some headphones and just talk live and and have multiple voices in on the conversation. We've
1: got some great the fraternity of coaching in Sioux City is, is awesome. There's mm-hmm. some great guys in the area to visit with and gals in the area to visit with, man. They've a lot of successful coaches on the girls and guys side of things that, that I would love to rub elbows up with and even get deeper.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, let's let's keep that in mind here. Uh sometime when I'm driving up to to my dad's house, uh, maybe we'll we'll stop in and, and do that for a couple hours or something. So go to the townhouse on a Wings Wednesday or something like that. So, Love it. Yeah, there. Although although we got to make sure there's a, 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 a multiple rolls of uh, paper towels to make sure my, my equipment doesn't get messed up either. So, <laughs> uh, hey, hold the line here, Coach. Uh, you know I just got to finish up with a couple things, but just hold the line and uh, we'll we'll wrap everything up here. So. Um, we, uh, of course, want to thank Cosette Chiropractic for once again supporting the and, and sponsoring the pod. Uh, if you're in need of chiropractic services, uh, give Dr. Kevin, Dr. Heidi a call at 402-964-0300. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Coach, are you following us on Twitter, pinning a napkin? I think I am. I want to double check. Yeah. Well, you know what? Double check after we're all done. Give us a follow. Uh, send the word out to uh, all the folks that you know to uh, to to follow us there. Uh, obviously, like I said, if you're listening, you're, you're, you're on SoundCloud or iTunes, so download, rate, and review. And if you have any questions, if you have any comments, suggestions, so forth and so on, email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. This has been a terrific podcast with Andy Foster, the head coach at Bishop Heland High School in Sioux City, Iowa. Coaches, as always, be sure to hone your craft one day at a time.